Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. It's that time of year where everybody sounds like they got a cold time. Hopefully, it's just a cold time. Never know anymore in the world these days time. Tennessee going to be big favorites for the next two weeks time. Hoops time. Also, big week for hoops. Lots to discuss time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly, I guess you could say seasonably chilly, Monday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee did lose 41-17 to the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs over the weekend, and the Vols are now a uh, basically a 24, I guess, point favorite against South Alabama on Saturday at Neyland Stadium in a game shockingly kicking off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Not really sure who uh, who scheduled that. Well, I know who scheduled it. It was Overlord's ESPN, but I'm not sure why they put this game at 7.30. But that's okay. Be a little chilly. Bundle up. Vols v. Jaguars. Vols one went away from bowl eligibility. Vols have a chance to win the next two games, as they should. They'll be widely expected to, and if they do go to a – a fairly nice bowl game and have a season that I think is better than a lot of us expected. So plenty to discuss, lots of recruiting to discuss. Also, we'll get to that in the second segment, I presume, uh, and to talk a little football, to talk a little recruiting, to talk a little bit about life in general. We'll go across town to that home daycare center, get to the one and the only Ryan Callahan there from that, uh, that home nursery there. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, not much. How's it going? Doing all right. Actually doing pretty well. Just ordered a soon-to-be Baby Hank a fake beard um, so he can come into the world properly. You know, of all the baby gifts we got um, with our with our three, I, I don't recall getting a fake beard at any point. Well, I want him to know that, you know, what he sees on his father's face and his grandfather's face, that's what, that, that's what when you're a Rucker man, you're supposed to have that on your face. So I want him to come into the world understanding that. So plus it will make really hilarious pictures and that's sort of what I'm here for, you know, being a good parent, we'll see, uh, you know, getting him through life and college and all that. Yeah, but the fake pictures, the pictures, the funny stuff, that's going to be right in my wheelhouse. I think that's going to be probably what I'm going to do best as a father. I think that's that's what good dads do, right? I mean, they learn. Yes, they learn dad jokes, practical jokes, and uh, they they make your life hell at times. That's what a good father does. That's what I'm planning to do. I don't think there's anything that's, wrong with that. That's part of the job. Yes, it is. And uh, if my wife's listening, um, that's what's going to happen. So uh, I've already ordered it. You can't take it back. I'm not giving you the receipt. 
He's going to wear that thing. That's going to be life. Ryan, we, we talked to Patrick on Saturday night, of course, after Tennessee's 41-17 loss to Georgia. The game went about the way I think we expected it to. Uh, there was no I – mean, I mean, if Tennessee had made just a few more plays here and there, much like the Alabama game, it maybe could have been a different story. You know, Tennessee makes a couple plays. That thing at least gets into, you know, the fourth quarter as an interesting game, as it were. Did not go that way. Tennessee – uh, did a lot more uh, than pretty much any other offense had against Georgia in several ways. No one had gotten to the red zone more than three times. Tennessee got there five times, but didn't score twice. Uh, Tennessee missed some opportunities. Hendon Hooker had probably his worst day uh, as a Tennessee quarterback so far. Not a bad day, uh, but just not a not a really good day either. Just kind of meh. You know, he he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't the special player that he's been for much of the season. And, and you could say Georgia, I'm sure, had something to do with that. You're the you're a his, potentially a historically great defense. Uh, I'm not sure that defense is that great on the back end, but certainly the front seven's exceptional. Lots of depth, lot, you know, lots of problems they give you. But what what did you think overall of Tennessee's performance? I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was average for them, and that was never going to be good enough. Yeah, it, it honestly it was a lot like I expected that game to go. Um, yes, you predicted I, the I, score exactly. Shut up about it. That's not where I was going, but I mean, now that you brought it up, um, I, I did, I did get the score right. Uh, but that's, I mean, I, I can't, I can't take pride in that. Like, if, like Georgia was a twenty-plus point favorite, so I guess they would win by twenty-four. It's not like I went out on some huge limb, but at the same time, it, the game did kind of like Tennessee has a, a, a typical game pattern. They start off really fast. Um, and that's, I think that's an interesting, we'll see how throughout Josh Heupel's tenure that, that goes, but we'll see if that becomes a, a little bit of a problematic trend for Tennessee. But to me, it looks like, and this team obviously has some personnel limitations, so it's, it's not fair to, to judge this team necessarily, uh, and, and extrapolate this to, to something that's going to be a a long-term uh, issue for Josh Eiple's staff or anything like that. But it, it does make you wonder, are they having this early success because it takes other teams some time to, to get used to facing this fast tempo and, and, and just the different things Tennessee throws at you. And then once teams kind of get used to it, they're able to slow it down a little more because they, again, they, their second quarter, I think is their lowest scoring quarter um, for the season. And, you know, I, at the same time, they're so good in the first quarter, it hasn't really hurt them a lot, um, but it is an interesting trend uh, that this team has had. They come out really fast, so I thought they would start fast, and they did. They take the early lead, lead 10-7 early in the second quarter, and then they faded a little bit more than I expected them to after that. That's the only thing that I'd say went differently. I didn't expect them to score 10 points and then never score again with Hendon Hooker in the game. Uh, at the same time, as you said, Part of that's just because they missed out on two red zone scoring opportunities, one of which maybe they should have kicked the field goal on, but I also can't fault Josh Heupel for the aggression. knowing you're not going to beat the number one team in the country kicking field goals, especially when you're already down two touchdowns. So I understood that decision uh, in, in that context. But, yeah, similar game to what, what I expected. Uh, just that does make you wonder when Tennessee's going to deviate a little bit from that pattern of starting off fast, hitting a lull for a while and not every game, but in, in, in several games we've seen that so far, it may be whether teams are sort of figuring them out a little bit. And, and again, this team has some limitations that maybe 
would make them easier to figure out. And certainly it's fair to wonder how much the injury to Javante Payton in this game in particular maybe led to some of those offensive issues that we saw once Tennessee got into the second quarter. Yeah, I think you touched on something really interesting there that I I do think we should discuss because I I think it's a fascinating topic and it's a fascinating and I think legitimate source of, I don't know of of concerns the right word, but something that should be on the radar going forward. And and that is that, that they start so fast and and then, you know, things taper off for a while sometimes. And, and, And I think, I think there's a few reasons for that. I, I think first off, I think they'll always start a little bit fast because even if you see them every single year, you don't see hardly any teams that play offense the way Heupel's teams play it. I mean, you see that, you know, certainly, you know, Baylor, you know, any any team that any Bryles is involved with, you know, uh, some Oklahoma stuff. I mean, the, the, maybe when Oklahoma comes to the SEC – people will see that kind of stuff a little bit more if Oklahoma keeps playing that way. But I I think the combination of the horizontal, uh, stretching it to the maximum horizontally, combined with a a power running game, you know, a quarterback running game, and that crazy tempo. Ole Miss gives you a little bit of that, but it's different. They don't run the same stuff. They run, you know, it's like Lane Kiffin said, they they have a lot of similarities, but they don't do the same things. So I think – even if teams get used to playing this every year, you're still going to have new players every year because guys coming through the portal and freshmen contribute. And you don't, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. There's only one where you see this. So I think that is something that's always going to be there to an extent, maybe mitigated when Oklahoma comes into the league. But I think, and Ryan, feel free to disagree with this because I don't, I'm not 100% convinced of this. It's just a thought that I have. I think Tennessee only has so many guys who can hurt you so many ways. And I think they use some of those things early and they don't really have as many counter punches throughout the game. Like once you see the couple of areas where they can really bruise you, you, you if you're a good defense, you can kind of shore up those things and then they don't really have – there's just they have a plan B and a plan C, but they're not nearly as effective because they don't have the the guys to do it. Yeah, I, I think that's a lot of it. Uh, I, I do think a lot of it could be personnel based, and and again, I, I don't think it's going to be something because of that that we necessarily see throughout Josh Heupel's tenure at Tennessee. It's just an interesting trend that we've seen from this team. Again, it's not been every game. The the Kentucky game, obviously, they kept scoring. The Missouri game, they scored so many points that once they slowed down, it didn't matter. So every game has definitely not been the same, but like the, the fact that we kind of have this identifiable trend where they, they come out, you know, they're going to start pretty well and at least get a team on their heels for a second to start the game. And that's, that's where I, I, I was interested in seeing how Georgia would respond to that. I thought Georgia's decision to defer the opening coin toss, honestly, was interesting because of that. I personally knowing Tennessee's, tendency to do that i i would kind of want to go on offense first and see if i could get them playing from behind yes uh, because tennessee as a as an underdog comes out scores first and gets that crowd into it as they did i wasn't totally convinced that georgia would bounce right back and score as they did so uh give georgia credit for for answering at that spot not to say that you know if they'd come out and gone three and out on that first drive it would have changed the game entirely but you just never know so uh i, I thought that was a an interesting spot to see how Georgia reacted. They handled it well, and that's that's what championship teams do. And they they obviously look look 
quite a bit like one right now. I, I did come away from Saturday's game thinking Georgia looks a little more human, maybe, than I thought they were going into that I, game. I, I think on the back end and the secondary, they, they have some vulnerabilities. Yeah. Uh, that like that defense is good. It's very, very good. Uh, I, I was a little surprised Tennessee ran it for a little while as well as it did. Uh, I, they were able to find some things early. Jabari Small at one point yeah, was like especially seven since, since Evans can't play. Right. I mean, Jabari Small was I think at one point seven for thirty five yards. Like if he he kept up that pace, you, you would be asking why they didn't run the ball more. Um, and and on that along those lines, without Tyon Evans. Tennessee's run game just feels so limited right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hendon Hooker's having to do so much, and and they just don't feel like they have a lot of faith in, in what those guys can do, and, and the offensive line's been banged up. There's multiple reasons for it, but I, I think the biggest difference we're going to see from year one to year two under Josh Heupel is, and, and we'll see who they end up adding in the 2022 class and maybe in the transfer portal, is going to be at running back because you know maybe Tyon Evans comes back uh, and, and, and stays healthier next year. You know, he, even he might have an interesting decision this year. I don't think the year has played out the way he needs to, for this to, to be as much of a factor, but you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a child of his own. You know, you wonder if, if something like that sure. leads, leads him to consider taking his chances in the, in the draft. I, I don't think that's going to work out well for him. If it does the way this year has gone, I, I think he high percentage chance he would go undrafted right now, but if he, if he can, come back next year and play better add a guy or two along with him that's a that's a potentially nice back jabari small obviously not going anywhere so that that could be a noticeably better position maybe as much as anything on that roster linebacker another one where they could certainly upgrade but running back that it just feels like they're great have to upgrade linebacker have to have to have to or you're just going to be the same defense they, they, they do, and, I, and they, I think they've got a couple of good ones on the way in, in Elijah Herring and Caleb Perry, and then we'll, you know, we'll see if, uh, if, if you know, someone like DeMario Tolan still out there, uh, someone maybe they could, they could add, and, and, and that might be a position they at least consider another transfer portal addition. So we'll, we'll see. They've, they've definitely got to upgrade there. But, yeah, to, to me, the running back position just feels very limited right now. Jabari Small has done a good job of gutting it out. Even he's played through injuries. Tyon Evans doesn't look like that ankle is going to really cooperate for him at this point. I would, I would consider just shutting him down and getting him ready for the bowl game with that ankle being as problematic as it I is. I mean, but he, he's also he's out there dancing around before the games and stuff. And I'm not saying that means you can go out there and play, but you know, at the same time, if it were that far away, I it, wouldn't it still kind of be in an air cast or still be wrapped up heavy or, you know, he he wouldn't be on it as much. I just I I don't know. Like it seems like it. I, it could be pretty close, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you see him out there dancing before games and stuff. Yeah, but at, at the same time, we didn't hear a lot of optimism last week during the week that that he was going to play. You know, it sounded pretty obvious by, by midweek that he was going to be out for that game. So I think it's very clearly still a concern, and and you wonder if it's you know if it's going to be even a borderline call for this week and even the and especially the Vanderbilt game. Uh, you know, you know the Titans have done this with Julio Jones, maybe in that hamstring injury. You know, sometimes you just you got a, you've got an opening on the schedule. You just shut guys down. I mean, it, I think they can beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt without Tyon Evans. They've they've won games without him already. I I would just be tempted to make sure he's healthy, now, especially for next year, but 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 even for the bowl game, just to to try to get him back because you know he's he's tried to do the playing at less than a hundred percent thing and it's just not worked so far. But whatever the case, that 
that's really affected this offense. And that's definitely part of why they, uh, as you said, don't have many counter punches right now when, when another team kind of figures them out or slows them down. Tennessee just can't do enough different things right now without that running game, which as we saw earlier this year was their bread and butter. And now they just, they just don't have enough of it. Yeah. Like if, if, if you can do, if you can run the ball, I mean, triple option offenses have showed this forever. If you can run the ball in the a gap, you can almost do whatever you want offensively. If you have a quarterback who can throw it, you know, if, if, if you can run there in the a gap, maybe even the B gap, if you can run there, it's just it's hard for defenses to stop your passing game if you can also do that. And without Evans in there playing some of these defensive lines, it's just it's hard to to really have that because this thing is based around you know there's all these bells and whistles and tricks with the throw game and taking shots downfield and getting vertical, but so much of that is based on your ability, the defense having to respect that. And Georgia. Early in the game was okay, and as the game went on, it really sort of just was able to shut down the run with six in the box. And if you can do that, that's been the way that we've talked about this offense, you know, the Baylors, the Oklahomas, that, that, that sort of system. The way you beat it is if you're really, really good up front. And, and if some of these teams like the Alabamas and Georgias where Tennessee's not been able to really run it, they haven't had Evans really, they haven't, you know, they, they've just kind of been outmanned up front. That presents problems because then all of a sudden, you know, you can take five and six back in coverage. You can play those two highs, and, and, and you can you can take away a lot of the threats Tennessee has. Whereas if you could just it's, – it's so easy to say but so complicated to do. If you can run the ball through that A gap and B gap, then, then it opens up everything. And when you can't, it constrains everything. And it's just hard. I mean, to credit Cedric Tillman, I mean, doing what he did without the threat of a running game to get down there and, and I think nine of his first ten targets were completions. He has 200 yards on ten catches and a touchdown. He's had, like, what, 350 yards or 360 yards against Bama and Georgia this year. Valus Jones is still doing the Valus Jones things that he does uh, despite some pretty tight coverage. They're doing some things. But when you take Javante Payton out of the lineup – uh, and that deep threat, you take Tyon Evans and that home run threat out of the lineup, and you're facing a front seven like that, it's just going to be hard to sustain success. And I think it's a credit to Tennessee that it still got to the red zone five times. And I think it's a credit to Tennessee and to Hypo and to those players that they got that game, just like Alabama, they got that game to where it's no exaggeration. Two or three different plays go the other way, maybe that's a different ball game. And I think it's a credit to Tennessee that it's even that close considering the circumstances. But when it gets there, uh, you got to make the play. And it didn't make the play. Uh, the championship contenders showed up, acted like championship contenders. They made those plays when it mattered most. And that's sort of – Tennessee can't win without making those plays. It's like if you have – five opportunities or something to really swing a game. And if you're Tennessee to beat or to really compete down to the final minutes with a Georgia or Bama, you got to hit like four of those five at least. And, and Tennessee just, just didn't do that. They, they didn't. And, and this was a game, you know, Hendon Hooker didn't play his best. Uh, just, this was off on some throws, which, you know, I wonder, he, he seemed to be sailing some throws. Sometimes that happens when you don't completely set or you don't shift your weight the way you need to when you're throwing. Was he, was he trying to get rid of those too fast at times, just knowing Georgia is coming, you know, and, and feeling the heat maybe a little bit after 
four consecutive games of getting just uh, annihilated in terms of sacks. I mean, they've, they've got more than, tw- what's the total up to 23 sacks down the last five games. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and so you wonder if that's taken its toll on, on Hendon hooker and his sort of his internal clock uh, where, where he feels he's got to get rid of the ball. I, I wonder if that was maybe a factor or maybe he got banged up. There was the one play where he, he, uh, he fumbled uh, on the sack, you know, to, that something get banged up there because after that, he didn't seem to be quite the same or not, just not as sharp as usual. And, and obviously give Georgia credit for that. They probably had a lot to do with that, but I did wonder if, you know, maybe we saw the cumulative effect of being sacked so much the past five games and just not trusting that his protection was going to hold up against that, uh, that Georgia defensive front. And then, you know, again, I, I just think the story of this game was, and this, this shouldn't be surprising, but, Against the number one team in the country, Tennessee's limitations across the board just showed up a little bit more than what we had previously seen. You know, at, at receiver, Javante Payton goes down and Ramel Keaton fills in and does a fine job. You know, had made five catches, had a, had a solid day, but they just weren't as dynamic out there without Javante he, Payton. He's just not as fast as Payton. I mean, there's no, yeah. there's no other way to dress that up, really. I mean, they had that one beautiful – like under route that they designed for him going across the field. And, and Keaton made a nice play on it, and Hooker made a nice throw, and they got, what, 20, 25 yards out of it. That's designed for Javante Payton to be an 80-yard touchdown. And and, yep. and it's just Keaton's not as fast, so he, they hit Georgia when they don't expect it, but he can make the play, but he's going to get 25 yards instead of 70. And your screen game is not as effective without, you know, without Javante Payton in there. You just have so many – fewer options at, at receiver. You know, this, this team is not all that deep at receiver. We've seen that before this year, you know, Walker Merrill's had to play some snaps as a true freshman. They're, they're not especially deep there compared to where the staff would like to be. So that's a position they, they need to improve and fortify depth wise. They, they, they just, uh, you know, again, it's a limited roster and, and this, it showed up in this game, you know, Aaron Beasley gets banged up. Solon Page ends up matched up, matched up on the perimeter uh, with James Cook, and it's an easy touchdown pass for, for Stetson Bennett. Uh, again, Tennessee's linebackers, this has obviously become a theme lately, but can't bring down Stetson Bennett, who is a very solid runner, underrated runner probably, uh, and did a nice job with some of those plays, including that touchdown run early. But, you know, just not a not a, not a great defensive team when it comes to keeping those things contained, and part of that's just – having limited linebackers and, you know, just not, not having enough team speed to collapse on a guy and, and contain him. They did make some stops on the, I think there was a third and eight. They stopped him a couple yards short of the first down, you know, things like that. They've made some improvements in that area, but just still not shutting down opposing quarterbacks for making plays like that. And that's just a, a lack of, just a lack of athleticism, yes, frankly, in, th- some, there, in some cases. Yeah. There's no nice way to put that. It's lack of athleticism. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when it happens every single week, it's not an exception to the rule. It's it's the rule itself, and, and that's that's where they are right now. You can keep guys in front of you, and Tennessee normally does a pretty reasonable job of that. But if they get behind you, you're you're in trouble. They they just can't. I mean, when 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 Jane when, when Cook gets a step on Solon Page the third, that's that's game blouses. I mean, that he can't. He, he's not going to get him. You know that yep. that's that that's just you know it's like. Uh, where that old Derek Dooley quote, where did he win that battle at conception? It's just, you know, that that's where they are right now, but that's okay. There's some good things that they're doing. There's some, some other things that we need to discuss. Uh, some, some things about some injury stuff going forward, although it's, 
I try to tease that going into a second segment. I can't. I mean, Josh Heupel doesn't talk about injuries. He he, he said <laughs> he said that Javante Payton we'll see as the week unfolds. With Aaron Beasley, he said we'll see as the week unfolds. Uh, with Tyon Evans, you know, he didn't say we'll see as the week unfolds. But if we'd asked about it, he would have said we'll see as the week unfolds because. <laughs> You know, it's like I, I joked earlier today. It's like the Ron Swanson effect. Like if you ask him about, it's like that old Ron Swanson quote when he says, "Someone will be here at some time." That that's that that's a Josh Heupel injury report. So, but there's other things to discuss. There's other things in terms of, you know, uh, should we probably slow the roll on being concerned that Hendon Hooker will go pro, or, or should that still be something that's discussed? We got to discuss that. We got to discuss uh, what 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 bowl scenarios are out there for Tennessee. We need to discuss that. Uh, possibly some discussion on you know which one of these games the next two weeks is actually more dangerous. I think that that's an interesting conversation that we'll get to either in the second segment or we'll get to it later in the week because it's something we need to discuss, because I think it's interesting. And then we also have got to talk about recruiting, because uh, we've talked about how's Tennessee going to close the gap on some of these schools? Well, recruiting. And and who covers recruiting? Ryan. So we're going to discuss that a little bit with Ryan. We're going discuss, to discuss a little bit more stuff. we got plenty more going on, and we're going to get to as much of it as we can. But before we do that, uh, we are going to go pay some bills, because we like money in our pocket. So we'll be right back after you hear for some Product, services, in-house ads, and other things. Hashtag ad. Money! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard from a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center there on the other side of town. Talking Tennessee football primarily in this episode, although we, we could discuss Tennessee basketball. We'll do that a little bit later in the week probably. Huge week coming up for the 17th-ranked Vols who have uh, quickly and, and viciously dispatched uh, the first two games of the season, UT Martin and East Tennessee State. But the 17th-ranked Vols have a much, much, much tougher test coming this weekend. They play 5th-ranked Villanova on Saturday up in Connecticut, and then the next day they will play either 6th-ranked Purdue or 18th-ranked uh, North Carolina. So so big, big weekend for those guys coming up. We'll discuss that a little bit later in the week with Grant Ramey. Tons to discuss there. Before we do that, though, before we do all of that, quick reminder, guys, if you could take about a minute out of your day right now, please go in there and rate and review this podcast, and please subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. Again, to quote Ron Swanson or to paraphrase him, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. Uh, so if you're just listening on the website, that's fine. But we're only going to ask one thing. 
please go in there. It helps us out the most if you go in there and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And, and it really helps us a lot if you subscribe, rate, and review. That gets us out there to more people. We can add wolves to our wolf pack as we've done since we started this thing. Uh, so we, we, we appreciate, as, as our new saying goes, if you're already doing that, we appreciate it. If not, go yourself. That that's our new slogan. We're we're sticking with it, and uh, I made a, an executive decision on that. I didn't consult with the other guys, but I think that sets the general tone of, of of how important that is and how much we want you to do that. So please go do that. I'm going to say that's not an official company line, but regardless, no, you have it, made it, that. It, it's it's um, officially unofficial. Fair enough. I think that's we'll leave it, officially leave it at that. Yeah, officially unofficial. I think it's I think it gets the point across. That is us saying, listen, y'all, we do this for free. We're asking you for just a couple things. You know, tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, take a minute out of your day. That's all. I, I, I think that's a I think that's a fair thing to ask. Ryan, talking back to talking more about Tennessee football here, I think we can probably I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that we can now dispel the notion that Hendon Hooker will go pro after the season. I think he still has a decision to make. I think he still uh, has put himself on some draft boards, and he still, at the very least, needs to go out there and, and sort of d- declare sort of unofficially or get the paperwork from the NFL, see what they think, where things are. Um, but he, he probably needs to get that process going if it's not already started. But I, I think – Games like that Georgia game showed why he probably could use more seasoning. I don't want to belabor the point because I've mentioned this on a couple other podcasts, but just his decision-making with with things that the NFL really cares about. Because we know going into the season that there were a bunch of things the NFL would want to see. Can you make that third and eight throw when everybody knows you're going to make that third and eight throw? And can you put that ball in a tight window and move the chains? Hooker has showed he can do that. So I think that question, for the most part, for the most part, has been answered positively. But now it's the things in the NFL that matter so much, which is execution, understanding time and place on the field, understanding the clock, clock management, how to manage a game, when to take shots, when not to, just a general feeling for the game. And I think Hooker has a million miles to go in that area, and I don't think that's an unfair criticism. I think if you look throughout the season, I think you see examples of how much more he's got to grow there. Yeah, I think that's not his strong suit. I think that's that's the best way to put that right now. I mean, every quarterback that's going to be in the draft, you know, it outside the first round for sure, but even in the first round in most cases, has some flaw in their game, has something, you know, they're not perfect across the board by any stretch. Everyone's better at some things and has some other things that they're like, eh, okay, maybe the accuracy is not great or well, whatever it is. For Hooker, I think it's that, you know, he, and, and his arm is, his arm is very good. You know, I, is it the, is it the best arm? You know, that's, that's another thing that's going to limit his, his upside a little bit probably in, in terms of the draft. So I, I still think it's an interesting decision he has, you know, you're no doubt you're right that he has some things to work on that absolutely he could benefit from another year. I think it comes down to though, how much, what, what, what is his stock and how much stock does he put in himself 
being able to perform well at you know pro day and and maybe even the combine as we've seen over the years you know as long as you're in that discussion you can play your way into a higher uh range uh, of, of draft possibilities so the fact that this draft class is so weak at quarterback i think still makes this an interesting decision for hendon hooker along with the fact that he's already a fifth year senior um if he thinks and i don't know how he looks at himself you know he may think that with another year he could be a top three round pick or or whatever but if he thinks that his upside doesn't give him much of a chance of being more than a late round pick anyway there's a case to be made to just go ahead and take your chances this year um especially because you know in the nfl if he has any kind of longevity getting to that second contract at a, at a year earlier age is, is worthwhile you know there, there's a lot to be said for not being a 24 year old rookie or, or whatever he would be after a six year so there, there's a lot to take into account in that decision and, and i i definitely agree you know if you're just looking at it from a kind of common sense standpoint there are flaws in his game that another year under josh heupel another year of being kind of more hyped um, because he would go into next year as clearly one of the best returning quarterbacks in the sec uh, and and kind of being the guy for a full year. What kind of numbers could he put up too? there? There are reasons to think he could improve his stock, but he also would probably be going against a much tougher draft class at quarterback next year. So I, I still think it's an interesting decision. Not sure. Not sure. I would say it's a toss up or what, you know, it's hard to say where things stand on that right now, but I do think there's, it's probably too early to close that door because just that it's all about who's around you in the draft and, and your position. And, and they're, they're drafting 10 or more quarterbacks basically every year now. So if you're in that top 10, you, you've got a chance. And, and that's that uh, makes this an interesting call for him. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I was trying to say earlier. I, I don't think we can definitively close the door on it yet. I think there are several variables at play there. Uh, it's not like it's one fixed thing. Like, if you do this, you should go. If you don't, you shouldn't. There's a lot of variables at play there. But I think what I'm trying to say is I think that game, those kind of games like Georgia, Bama, those are going to be the ones that NFL scouts are going to look at very, very carefully because that that's the closest thing to the type of talent you're going to be seeing consistently at the next level. Now you'll be playing in more even games because you won't be playing – like with Tennessee's roster against Georgia's roster, you know, most of the NFL rosters, there's a lot of parity there. So it's a, it's different in that sense. But you got to see the decision-making. You got to see the understanding of the game. And that is something that I just – I think maybe if they get a good bowl game, he could, he could show something there, and that would really help his stock. And I think he'll – people will like him when they interview him. He's a hard kid not to like. He's humble. He's approachable. Uh, he, he He's very – clear about who and what he is as a person as a player so I, I think it he'll test well in that area it, it's just games like this maybe show that eh, they're in a perfect world you could stay a little bit and learn more but we'll see there's lots to discuss there talking about that bowl game though Ryan seeing some projections now they're a little bit all over the place I mean you see the odd projections for like the Texas Bowl here or something like you know the the, the Gator Bowl here, but it, it seems like most people have sort of not zeroed in on Charlotte as where Tennessee's going to play a bowl game, but it, it just seems like there's been years in the past where we thought it might be Charlotte and it wasn't. If Tennessee wins these next two games, a lot of things are in play because you don't look at Tennessee in a vacuum. You look at what everybody else is going to do too. But it just kind of feels like if you're if you're taking odds here, 
it just seems like Charlotte is by far the most popular bowl that's discussed right now with Tennessee, assuming it wins the next two games as it should. That just sort of seems like it makes sense, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, it, I, I'm always a little hesitant on Charlotte now because we've seen a couple of these before where Charlotte looked like a really good possibility for Tennessee and then something changed. Like we've even seen some calls, you know, where it looked like Tennessee was going to other bowl in the, the music city bowl a couple of years ago. And then they went to Florida. So you just don't know sometimes even until the last minute. Yeah. Th- there was that, there was that one day, that one time a couple of years ago where Mike Hamilton thought Tennessee was for sure going to a different bowl three times in 30 minutes. Yeah. And it, it just shifts so much. So I, I, I'm really hesitant to say that one bowl makes that much more sense than another or anything like that. But I do think, and it, it very much appears that we're looking at seven and five for Tennessee. And, and again, that's, it can't be stated enough. What, what a solid, strong first year that is for, for Josh Heupel, given everything that this roster has lost over the past year and everything the program has been through, wondering if a bowl ban was going to be self-imposed at one point and, and all that stuff. And to, to now be looking at whether Charlotte or Nashville is in play for a seven win team to go to a bowl. That's a, that's a very nice situation and some pretty interesting matchups that could be out there. Uh, you know, I, there was even one projection that uh, at least one projection that I saw that, you know, could they even face a team like Clemson uh, in, in a bowl game? Because Clemson's not had a great year. You know, there, there's some, some fascinating options out there uh, depending on how, where Tennessee goes. Uh, but I, I think Charlotte and Nashville both make a ton of sense. If they'd ended up at six and six, I would have, I would say, and, and they still could obviously, but if they end up at six and six, I, I would say there's a very good chance they end up in the state of Tennessee one way or the other, where the music city and the Liberty both could be in play. But even then I'm not sure they'd fall past the music city bowl at seven and five. It's, it's probably to me anyway, looks like Charlotte or Nashville. But again, we saw this exact same scenario or a very similar one two years ago where a seven and five Tennessee team went to Jacksonville. Don't know that they would want to take Tennessee for a second time in three years, but it just depends on what else they see out there. And they might think there's a lot of excitement around Tennessee and not so much around some other teams. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean it, yeah, if they're looking at like a gate, cause I see some stuff now with like Auburn in the Gator bowl, but yeah. if Bo Nix isn't playing uh, in that in Alabama just kind of takes them to the absolute woodshed to end the season. How much excitability is there for, for them taking I, you know, I, that that's when you start wondering, like, do they, would they really want to do that? I don't, I don't know. It's a, and it's all about selling tickets for these games. And, and if, if you've got another team, that's not such a great draw. And, and if you're, you know, the, the Gator bowl and you've had Tennessee draw very well, the, the past two times they've been down there, you might be tempted to look at them and reach, reach above someone else with a better record, maybe to, uh, to, to get, to get Tennessee. So, uh, or, or really, I guess it's, you know, what the SEC is involved in helping pick these. Yeah. The SEC matchups. is making these, dis- I mean, bowls get their preference out preference. there, but, yeah. but the SEC ultimately makes these calls now. So, so, so they're, you know, who knows what the SEC and will do and, and what these bowls will lobby for when it comes down to it. But I mean, the Tennessee is going to be a very attractive option for a few bowl games, I think, because, there, there should be a good bit of excitement over this team and the way they've played. And, and again, depending on the matchup, uh, I, I think Tennessee's going to be a popular pick to, to win its bowl game probably because let's look, let's face it, the teams they've lost to mostly have been clearly better than them when they've had a shot to, to win the game. They've, they've won a lot of these, you know, with, with maybe Pitt being the, 
the, the lone exception, uh, you know, Ole Miss obviously was a, another close matchup they could have won. So, that, but they, when they've had a pretty even team on paper though, they've, they've fared well. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement from Tennessee fans, especially if they got another trip to, to Florida, but yeah, they've never been to that game in Charlotte. They've, uh, you know, they've been to that season opening game in Charlotte before, yeah. but never the book, never the bowl game. And there was a bunch uh, of orange there for that game. There was, and, and a lot of Tennessee fans in North Carolina who I'm sure would be excited about that opportunity to, to see them there. Uh, and then, obviously, the Music City Bowl of Tennessee is drawn very well there and, and would, I'm sure, do that again. So uh, it, it's a, it's an interesting situation, but I, I don't think at this point I would be very surprised if Tennessee falls anywhere past the Music City Bowl, just barring a complete collapse here down the stretch or a surprising, at least a surprising upset lost to South Alabama or Vanderbilt. And even at that, I'm not sure a six and six Tennessee team falls past the music city bowl. Yeah. That's what I was going to say before we, you know, move on to recruiting. I I think it's, you have to, you don't want to say assume because Tennessee can't assume it. Tennessee doesn't have enough depth right now to assume anything. It's not like it, it it can be a good team when every, when, when the pieces go where they should and they play the way they should and they play with effort and focus and intensity and all that. But this team still, if it ever let its guard down, I mean, you're talking about the snap of a finger and things get ugly in a hurry. So so these guys have got to stick to the script, right? You know, they can't flub their lines late because if they do, then then all of a sudden things change. But in terms of that, Ryan, what do you think about, you know, these next couple weeks in terms of, of matchups? Which game is actually more difficult? Because, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, you would have said, well, it's probably pretty clearly South Alabama, right? Because of just the way that, you know, that team had done with, you know, Bentley there at quarterback and and it looked like it could be like an eight or nine win team. Well, now things have changed a little bit. And and, and I think part of that is, you know, obviously the the injury with with Bentley. I mean, you know, say you're not not trying to say anything bad about a kid like Desmond Trotter, but um, you know, Bentley was doing some 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 pretty good things there, and that team was doing well. Uh, and then, you know, the past couple of weeks, you know, Bentley's hurt. They lose to Troy. They go to Boone and and get mighty Appalachian State just handing it to them. And now they go to Tennessee. And then five days after that, on a Friday, they're they're playing Coastal Carolina to end the season. So things change. Life comes at you fast, you know, for South Alabama. But in terms of of the matchups, which of these games do you think is actually more problematic for Tennessee, if either? That's kind of where I am. I'm not sure it's either, but um, I definitely, like you said, a few weeks ago would have would have probably said South Alabama just because Vanderbilt's been so offensively challenged, but they've been a weird team this year too where they get down big early to Kentucky on Saturday and they come back and end up covering in that game and having a respectable seven what 17 points by the end of that game so like they're they're not Tennessee is not at a great danger of losing that game to me because they're probably going to find a way to score some points but if Vanderbilt somehow popped up with a great defensive game or game plan and 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 muddied that game up a little bit maybe maybe that one could be just because it's an SEC team and Vanderbilt's at least shown it can be a thorn in the side even though it's generally a pretty bad SEC team um, so I, I would still lean towards South Alabama, but you're right. The, 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 the way they've looked the past couple of weeks, definitely not the same. Uh, but this, this past week, they scored seven against Appalachian state. That was the first time they've, they've scored in single digits this year. They've at least scored 20 plus and, and often 30 plus this year. So they are definitely capable of putting up probably more points than Vanderbilt. And so that's why I would still lean slightly toward South Alabama 
oddly enough, maybe being the tougher of these two two games left, you know, you hear South Alabama and on name recognition alone, you would probably say, eh, that Tennessee should steamroll them. Vanderbilt's the game that at least, you know, a few times out of 100, you could lose that one. But this this one, I, I don't know. South Alabama is actually – uh, for most of the season, been a respectable offensive team, and as you said, five and five record. Well, I mean, you know, Jalen Tolbert's going to be drafted as a receiver. He's a really good player. He's already got mm-hmm. in ten games this season. He's got sixty-five catches for eleven hundred forty yards, six touchdowns, averaging seventeen point five a catch. He's a really good player. Um, but then you look at like you know Bentley's quarterback efficiency is around one fifty-five. I think Trotter's is around one hundred five. So that there's been a big drop off there, and, and that's. That's that 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 hurts, but uh, you know South Alabama's played good defense at times. It could be an interesting game. I mean, I, I think Tennessee. You go out there at night at Needland. You know, you get the the lights going. The the student section at least will be there and be loud. Probably some empty seats, but the students will be there. You know that you'll have the the light show going. People get excited. I think they'll they'll take care of business, but you never you never really know. I I I, I do, and I, I that's why I would say this about both games. I, the biggest opponent for Tennessee is itself in both of these games. They they just have to stay focused, do the things they need to do, approach them the same way. Because I, I think that is it's, it's a little bit of a dangerous spot for Tennessee. Human nature to take the foot off the pedal when you've gone through this grind that they always face in the SEC, and now they're through it. And now you've got two games left that you're going to be clearly favored to win comfortably and you've played the past several weeks. I mean, it's just been one after the other. Even even Missouri and South Carolina were important games at the time, even though Tennessee won them handily. But you've had Ole Miss, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia. Four straight games against ranked good teams and, you know, managed to win, uh, managed to win the one they needed against Kentucky, put up a good fight against Ole Miss, hung with Alabama and Georgia for a while. You just can't can you bring the same intensity to these two games? I, I just don't know, especially with, as you said, probably some empty seats for these games. Can you, can you show up ready to, ready to go potentially cold weather for both? I mean, it's, it's just not the, not the same field of these games. So I think the danger is you just don't show up with your fastball and you let one of these teams hang around and give themselves a chance and, 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 you know, heaven forbid an injury, you know, ends up being a factor, you know, Hendon hookers stayed healthy for most of the year. As long as he's healthy to me and plays pretty well, Tennessee wins both of these games. Um, I, I'll say it's a good sign for Tennessee that Joe Milton came in at the end of Saturday's game, played pretty well. Uh, if something Still came up and they needed, against needed Georgia's him. first team defense, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice, nice drive he had. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good, and and you wonder what that does for his confidence. I think he needed a, a showing like that to yeah. to feel better uh, going into this off season, whatever his future is. So, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I would have said going into that, you know, they need Hendon Hooker to stay healthy, and as long as he's out there. They should take care of business in these two games. I still feel that way, but I would say these are games Tennessee should win comfortably enough that even if, for some reason, Hooker was out and you had to go with Joe Milton at some point, you can probably still win both of these games. And these are not good football teams. Tennessee's offense alone should be enough to to take care of business. But again, they've got to show up and, and, and play with the kind of consistent effort we've seen from them all season. There's no reason to think they're going to show up and just have a dud of a performance, but anyone's capable of that as we see so often in college football. Ryan, before we get out of here, we do need to discuss recruiting. You know, it has still been, I, I, I don't know the exact number of days since the Tennessee commitment seems like about 149,000. 
Um, but Tennessee's recruiting class, we know that they 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 went on a bit of a heater there. You know, in the summer, got got some guys finally got the got the ball rolling. Uh, and since then, they, it's sort of been more about positioning yourself with guys than actually landing guys. And of course, we all know the latest. You know, Walter Nolan commits to Texas A&M. Big blow for Tennessee, certainly. But he, you know, he, he's still maybe not a thousand percent done. We'll I, we'll see. I'm going to ask you about that, but. Just Tennessee did have some guys in over the weekend, some big visitors. What's the latest on all that? And can Tennessee find a way? Because because there's not much time until the early signing period here. Can can Tennessee get the ball rolling in time here? No doubt. And I I, I think the ball is already rolling. I I think they've they've positioned themselves pretty nicely to have a good finish here. It's just we haven't seen the dominoes start to fall. And 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 I was asked about that. Uh, just today by someone wondering, you know, when, when's Tennessee going to get a commitment? When, when are we going to see it? As you said, it's been more than three months, August 5th, I believe, when Chaz Nimrod, the wide receiver committed, was the last time Tennessee added someone to its 2022 class. So it's been some time. Uh, that happens sometimes. Sometimes it's a result of guys, you know, taking visits during their seasons and focusing on their seasons a little bit more and not wanting to, you know, whether it's not wanting to be a distraction to their team with the commitment or just not being ready because they haven't taken enough visits yet. Sometimes it's guys like there, there's some ten, some guys Tennessee's been recruiting like Christian Harrison, the defensive back down in Georgia, who's working toward a final decision now. But he's gotten some offers during a season that have that, that have both led to his decommitment from Liberty last month. And, you know, Tennessee was one of those offers last mm-hmm. month, and then Florida offered, and then Auburn still showing interest. So sometimes it's related to the teams that are involved with the player, but sometimes they just aren't ready until after their seasons are over because their recruitment's changed or they haven't taken enough visits or whatever. So definitely don't think it's a sign that Tennessee hasn't made progress with a lot of guys or put itself in position to land them. They're just guys who are waiting a little bit longer to make their decisions. So I, I think they're, they're in good, sh- good shape with a lot of guys, just haven't, haven't had announcements yet. And I think we'll start to see that fairly soon, uh, maybe not right away, but fairly soon. We've got some signs of, of some activity. Joshua Joseph uh, spoke with him Friday night uh, in the Atlanta area after his game. He had, had, hadn't said a whole lot lately. He says he's going to announce probably in the next couple of weeks. He indicated it might be on Thanksgiving um, with his family around. Oh, no, maybe, don't do that. Yeah, maybe oh, on Instagram. Come on, bro. Maybe on Instagram Live with his family oh. around or something like that. But but regardless, he there there's, there's a, a continued indication there that something could happen by the end of the month. Tennessee's made some some real progress there, I think, since his official visit last month. It's still a Tennessee-Michigan-Kentucky kind of battle. So uh, I think that's one to, to maybe at least watch this month. There, there's some others who could end up deciding this month. It just depends on how some things play out. And, and again, whether guys decide to take more visits, wait a little bit longer. And anyone who's waited this long, and we are exactly a month away now from the start of the early signing period, anyone who's waited this long could wait till the end. They, they, they could decide if they need to take visits in December – after after the season, which is what you know, a lot of schools would prefer instead of using in-season official visits, they'd like to have those 48 hours on one of those two weekends in December where they can spend more time with a player and have a more traditional official visit. So um, there, there's there's always a chance, guys. Just wait till the end. And and it was what just two or three years ago where Tennessee had a nice nice finish on early signing day where they got six or you know five or six guys. I think it was um, may, maybe it ends up being that kind of finish this year where Tennessee. Has, has what 11 spots or so left in this class. I mean, yeah. maybe they get a few along the way and then have a big finish. I mean, it's, it's hard to say how this is going to play out, but that, that possibility is always out there, but they're definitely in position, I think, to finish pretty well. 
it's just a matter of how much longer they have to wait for that first domino to fall and for everything else to, to kind of follow. What about the weekend visitors, Ryan? What's the latest on all that? I know they had some big names in over the weekend. They, they did. And uh, yeah, definitely want, want to start with Walter Nolan because he did make it back to Tennessee uh, just a week after his commitment to Texas A&M. It was a planned visit. Um, nothing changed after the Texas A&M commitment. So that door is still open, at least, obviously, since he made it back to Tennessee. I wouldn't say that right now there's a ton of momentum on Tennessee's side. You know, we'll, we'll see where things progress from here. The next big, you know, we said Willie visit this weekend or, or visit for the Georgia game. That'll be the first big checkpoint. He did. Now let's see if he takes that official visit to Tennessee in December. That's at least being discussed still. I think it's very much on the table. It's maybe even still his plan right now. But does that visit happen? And does Tennessee continue to go all out for Walter Nolan down the stretch? I think there is. It does get to a certain point. We've seen some teams already kind of drop out of this recruitment. Uh, just, just kind of there. There've been so many changes and everything. There's, there, there's a little bit of a headache that comes with recruiting the number one or number two player in the country like this. Especially a lot of times. when it's a defensive lineman, an interior sure. defensive lineman. I mean, those guys are they're they're worth their weight in gold. Sure. So, so does does Tennessee want to continue to go all out for Walter Nolan down the stretch? Do they? You know, not to say that they they are just going to concede. I don't think that's the case. But it, it's at least a fair question because they've. They've been through some twists in this one already, and, and the commitment to Texas A&M uh, more than a month before early sign day, probably not what they expected. So do they just decide to cut their losses and, and spend their time and energy on someone else that they're more likely to end up with or whatever? That That's that's possible. But I, I do think there's a chance. As, this one's not over until, as we've said all along, until he signs, it is not over. Correct. And, and he could – he could easily, and it could come together quickly too. Even if it, even if a couple of weeks go by, and it looks like nothing's happening, all it takes is a change. And and if he comes to Tennessee on an official visit that last weekend, or the weekend before early signing day, and that his dad did say last week, told Steve Wiltfong that their plan right now, at least at the at that time, was to take an official visit to Tennessee and go back to Texas A&M one more time with those two weekends in December couple complications to that. He is playing in a local all-star game that final weekend before early signing day, and he's hoping to play for a state championship the weekend before that. Uh, that would be a Friday night game down in uh, in Chattanooga. So depending on how that plays out, he could take those two trips. And if that's how it plays out, you never say never. But let's see if he takes that, that additional trip to Tennessee. So uh, that's obviously going to be a big storyline. But I, I wouldn't say right now there's a lot of momentum for to say that a flip is looking – really realistic but that i could change in the in in just a second so well stay tuned to that one basically is where that one stands uh demario tolan was a, another big visitor this weekend four-star lsu linebacker commitment i think tennessee made some good progress there um they they really impressed him first game he's seen at tennessee best game day atmosphere he's he's seen i think is, is kind of how he how he described that he's been to georgia and miami and, a, and just a few places but tennessee really impressed him uh, so Tennessee's got a shot there, but he's still taking more visits. Georgia this coming weekend for an official visit, Auburn for an official visit after that. And then he wants to see who the new coach at LSU is, obviously, and he has the option of taking a second official visit to LSU as part of that rule change that was made a yeah. few years ago. Yep. Uh, as a result of a coaching change, you can do that, even though he's already taken his LSU official visit back in the summer. So uh, that one's definitely not over. And with a few other SEC schools involved, the competition's obviously going to be pretty fierce down the stretch. So 
long way to go in that one, but Tennessee's got it, got at least a shot there after what they did this weekend. Another big visitor, Justin Williams, the, the West Virginia running back commitment from the, the Atlanta area. Tennessee, I think, really made a move there and, and has kind of over the last couple weeks, not just Saturday, but they, they look like they've got a real shot at flipping him from West Virginia. They're, they're obviously looking for a second running back in this class. We discussed the need there. He's a he's kind of a bigger back, 205 pounds or so, and, and good speed, around six feet. Uh, a lot to like about him, and I, I think Tennessee's very serious about him, making him a priority. I, I think Tennessee's got a real shot there. He's gotten an offer from Michigan also last month. Auburn, another one. There's a few uh, a few kids like this that Tennessee is recruiting. Auburn sniffing around, showing some interest. Other schools showing some interest. Let's see if anyone else jumps in here late and complicates things. He visited Alabama at one point. You know, so there's some other teams that could enter the picture here down the stretch and make things tougher. But right now, I think it's set up pretty well for Tennessee to have a good shot at Justin Williams down the stretch. Yeah, his, uh, and then, his, his plate of options is getting a lot sexier, isn't it? It, it is, and uh, and that's. It's kind of a, a common theme for some of these guys Tennessee's been battling for down the stretch. We mentioned Christian Harrison, the son of Rodney Harrison, uh, the defensive back from the Atlanta area. Similar situation. You know, he wasn't on campus at Tennessee over the weekend, but still wants to go to Florida. Auburn showing interest. Um, you know, Caleb Webb, the wide receiver from the Atlanta area, has been on official visits to Tennessee, Michigan, and Louisville. Those are probably the main contenders, but still some other teams have shown some interest. So, it, it is it is one of those situations where a late offer could could change everything for some of these players. You just never know how that's going to play out. But uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a very good weekend for Tennessee. They had an official visitor, Keontae Scott, junior college cornerback from Snow College in Utah. And again, we've covered this before. That's where Josh Heupel yes. played in his own playing days. So the, Tennessee's recruited uh, Keontae Scott for a while. Um, it's a long time ago that Josh Heupel was there, but certainly having that connection doesn't hurt. Uh, and getting him here on an official visit was a big deal. He named a top five uh, going into the visit, like as almost as he arrived in Knoxville. Um, so it looks like Auburn, Miami, Oregon, and BYU are Tennessee's competition for him. He's going to take an official visit to Auburn in a couple weeks. Already been on an official visit to Oregon. Those look to me like the three main contenders. You, I guess you never rule out BYU being a, a Utah junior college kid. Maybe could pull the upset there, but but it seems to me like a Tennessee Miami. Oregon bat or Tennessee Auburn Oregon battle I should say unless he takes a Miami official visit those might end up being kind of the main three contenders so Tennessee very much in that one uh and and then yeah a bunch of other guys in the in the 2023 class were on campus Man, talk about it a, was a talk about a difference in lifestyle if like those are your op your <laughs> you know you're like you know Oregon you know Miami uh Tennessee and, and BYU and that's a guy like imagine than, BYU and Miami, like both being on the same list. Like how in the hell is that even possible? <laughs> and that's a guy with more than 25 offers and the number one junior college cornerback in the country, six foot uh, San Diego native. So yeah, very, very unusual list. there having BYU thrown in uh, and, and maybe that, maybe that ends up being nothing. I, I just mentioning it because they're, you know, they're in state, but I, I, I think right now it comes down to Oregon, Auburn and Tennessee and that uh, Auburn, set up to get the last visit between those three. And we'll see if he adds another visit down the stretch because he does have one other one left. Um, that, that one could at least uh, make things tougher, but uh, that, that looks like ma mainly a three team race right now. And I think Tennessee certainly made a, a very good impression. Uh, you know, some people wonder if he's a West coast guy being from San Diego, does he stay out there and go to Oregon? Uh, sounded pretty open to me to, to going wherever. So I, I don't think that's a huge, huge concern, but 
at least worth noting anytime you're talking about recruiting a guy from the West Coast. That's fair. Ron, you got anything else? I think we're, we're about pushed up against it for time. You got anything else that you need to add before we get out of here? No, I think that's uh, that, that hits the high point. Certainly a ton of recruiting coverage uh, coming out of the weekend on, on GoVols 24-7. So there were a, a lot of important, uh, highly ranked 2023 targets on campus in addition to those guys we mentioned. Full coverage of those guys that we uh, just touched on already on GoVols 24-7. So lots to, to check up on coming out of the weekend. And obviously the next month is going to be pretty heavy on recruiting uh, coverage and content. So if you like to follow recruiting, especially down the stretch, this is your time of year. Definitely uh, sign on to GoVols 24-7 and check out all the all the coverage, not just this week, but from now through early signing day and beyond because it will it will not be dull, I can assure you. That's a good that's a good plug. Good way to end it, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks, Wes. And if I can find that button, guys. There it is. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, go get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247. And we have tons of stuff on there all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious, perfect, crystal clear, sparkling Smoky Mountain spring water, go get that directly from the tap at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, Tennessee baseball. Lots of stuff going on there with maybe some stadium expansion stuff. Lots of stuff to discuss there. Lady Vols coverage where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year, all day, every day covering Lady Vols for us. we got two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss Tennessee Vols and Lady Vols athletics with Tennessee fans in every time zone all over the world, plus all of us who are on the staff. It's awesome. You go there, discuss anything you want, as long as it's not political or religious in nature, and we will have fun discussing it. Uh, So you get all that, and that's what couple dozen fresh content items it seems like just about most days between us and our network tons and tons of stuff the best database uh, in all college sports for sure the best database in all of recruiting anywhere in the country just tons and tons of stuff there all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month that is an awesome deal and that's after the seven day free trial awesome awesome deal go take advantage of it and if you pay us that rate which is really reasonable, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus. Used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. It's a growing behemoth of a streaming platform, more than a $100 plus annual value because it has fresh movies that you can only find there, classic movies uh, that you can only find there. Uh, every show CBS has ever made, commercial-free, tons of Paramount Plus exclusive shows that are coming out. Lots of big stuff there, too. Some of the, Some of those... Big budget type things, really good dramas, comedies, all kinds of stuff. Plus, you get everything from the vault of CBS. You get stuff from the vault of MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian. You get live sports, which includes Tennessee, SEC sports, obviously, NFL, PGA Tour, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Cup qualifying, Serie A soccer, where lots of Americans play in that Italian league. All of that. It's just a ton of stuff. That's a $100 plus annual value that we will give you for free. No questions asked. It's like a quick shake of the hand. Boom, you're there and you're streaming immediately. So basically, we're giving you like four or $500 worth of stuff for barely more than $100, like $100 and change per year. 
No supply chain problems. None of that. All of it right there. So go there. Take advantage of it. Do that right now. Rate and review this podcast, please. Subscribe to this podcast, please. Uh, And if there's no big breaking news, you should hear from us Thursday. So until then, uh, be good to each other. Have empathy. Try it. See you.